Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm your host, and our guest today is Father Paul Millay. He's a Sulpician priest who teaches sacred scripture at St. Mary's Seminary in Roland Park. We welcome you today, Father Paul. Thank you for having me. Today we have an interesting segment. Father Paul Millay's background is he was a concert pianist. So the first segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about how do you go from concert pianist to Catholic priest. And then the second segment, we're going to spend a little more time discussing how music can draw you closer to God. So let's begin. So Father Paul, tell me about where did your love for music begin? Well, my father was in the army. He was an officer and was stationed in Germany. And at a very young age, I went to a German kindergarten where all of the children learned how to play the recorder. So I learned how to read music at the age of four, before I even knew the alphabet. <laughs> and I, I just loved it right from the beginning. I asked at the age of five if I could take piano lessons, and I just kind of took to it like a fish to water. And as I was in grade school, I started listening to my father's record collection. He had a, a very good classical record collection, and I just kind of fell in love with uh, certain pieces by Beethoven and Brahms and Bach. And I kept up with my piano lessons and had some wonderful teachers who were very generous with their time and helped me to grow as a pianist. And then in high school, I started becoming very, very serious and would practice hours at a time and entered piano competitions and started winning them. I also was a composer, and I won a big prize in composition as well. But that kind of took the back seat when I went to the Eastman School of Music for my undergraduate work, and then came to Baltimore to study with Leon Fleischer at the Peabody Institute. Tell, tell me about your life studying music and even becoming a, a full-time concert pianist. In some ways, being a Musician is a little bit like the life of an athlete in that you have to be extremely disciplined and it takes long hours of hard work. I used to get up early in the morning and practice a few hours before breakfast and then a couple more hours before lunch and a couple more hours before dinner. So it was really kind of a passion that I had. And so I put in my 10,000 hours uh, which they say you have to put in to become an expert in anything. That's amazing. And then what, what is a concert pianist life like? Are you traveling in the United States? Are you traveling to local cities? Are you going internationally? I traveled a lot in the United States, but I also traveled in Canada and Mexico, some in South America. And then I did have some opportunities to play in Europe and also in Asia. So it was very exciting to be able to travel and to see so much of the world. 
But it, on the other hand, it's very stressful because you're only as good as your last concert and all of your work is publicly reviewed in the newspaper. So it takes very constant practicing and it's also exhilarating to be able to immerse yourself in great works of art and to just be able to enter so deeply into these works of genius. I can't imagine. They always say that for an NFL career, the average NFL career lasts two or three years. That it's that small of a time because of the intensity and the pressure and the competition around you. So the fact of, of that intensity of, of constantly practicing, of, of constantly performing, exhilarating. Any, any highlights to say, when I went here now, that was, a, that was one of my just most favorite experiences when you traveled. People often ask me what the most beautiful place I've seen is, and I've always said that it was Tunisia, which might surprise you, but Tunis is right on the Mediterranean, and I played in a suburb of Tunis, which is now Carthage. Of course, that was one of the great powers of the world in history, and now it's a suburb of Tunis. And so that was a highlight, just in terms of the, the sheer beauty of the place. Playing in Indonesia was absolutely wonderful because of it was such an exotic experience for me, the culture. And perhaps the most thrilling concerts that I did were with the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. I, I did Beethoven's Fourth Piano Concerto, and it was probably the best orchestra that I played with, although I also played with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, which I think is certainly world-class. So a lot of people ask the question, how does a concert pianist make his way to seminary? How, do, how does that take place? Through a lot of prayer and feeling that, uh, a strong feeling of being called to the priesthood. And it's not only internal, but also for me it was external signs. I'll tell you a couple stories. One was I I started saying yes to God more and more in my life. And I started volunteering at the Missionaries of Charity in Baltimore, the Gift of Hope. I was the Monday night volunteer. And the sisters started telling me that they were praying for me to become a priest. <laughs> and in, interiorly, I was saying, well, don't pray too hard, because I was resisting the call. And uh, nevertheless, I was praying intensely. And I, I really did want to do the will of God. I wanted to discover what it was for me. And one of my big faith problems was belief in the real presence in the Eucharist. Wow. So that was a big problem for me. And so I was pouring my heart out in the chapel and asking the Lord to make it clear to me that he really was there in the Eucharist. This is at the Gift of Hope. And within a few days, a friend of mine came back from Fatima. But in addition to going to Fatima, he had gone to Santarem, which is the site of a Eucharistic miracle from the Middle Ages. And he was telling me about his trip, and then he said, oh, you have to see one of these pictures that I took. And he had taken a picture of the monstrous, and it was where the, the Eucharist, where the Eucharistic miracle was, there was, in, in the way the light had flashed on the glass, it came across 
a very clear image of Christ. It's, it was like the face of the Shroud of Turin. Wow. And if it had just been that photo, it might not have had the same effect on me, but it was the timing of it, that it was so close to this prayer time that I had poured out my soul to God. Wow. So that made me more and more open to becoming a priest. And I was debating a lot in my mind because my career was going very well as a pianist. And I was working with a, a coach up in New York. I remember you speaking about a, an experience you had in the city with your sister. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a short break and we'll come back to hear more about your story. It's just fascinating how God works in every person's life. I'm here with Father Paul Malay, uh, Sulpician priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and we'll be right back. My name is Father Brian Nolan. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Leaders of a diverse group of faiths, including the Catholic Church and the heads of religious nonprofit organizations, are urging Congress to repeal a change in the Internal Revenue Code that would tax houses of worship and other nonprofits for parking and transit benefits they provide to their employees. Dubbed the parking lot tax, the provision has prompted a group representing a broad range of institutions, including houses of worship, primary and secondary education, higher education, and faith-based nonprofit organizations to write a letter November 13th to the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee and the House Ways and Means Committee and their respective ranking members. We write with serious concerns about how a little-notice provision in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act would tax parking and transit benefits provided by nonprofit organizations and churches, the letter states, according to Catholic News Service. Unless repealed, this provision will require tens of thousands of houses of worship to file tax returns for the first time in our nation's history and will impose a new tax burden on houses of worship and nonprofit organizations, it added. Perhaps worst of all, it continued, this provision will hopelessly entangle the IRS with houses of worship simply because these houses of worship allow their clergy to park in their parking lots. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Catholic and international aid organizations are pressing for an end to Yemen's worsening war, where the United Nations says one child dies every 10 minutes. David Beasley, executive director of the World Food Program, called Yemen the world's worst humanitarian disaster in 100 years, according to Catholic News Service. Half of Yemen's 28 million people are on the brink of starvation, and the country is suffering from the worst cholera epidemic in modern history. The humanitarian disaster in Yemen is of horrific proportions, said Kevin Hartigan of Baltimore-based Catholic Relief Services. More certainly needs to be done to assist a population that is on the brink of starvation, he said. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Catholic Extension has given $25,000 in emergency funding to a facility in the Diocese of El Paso, Texas, and is urging donors around the country to provide aid to meet the needs of migrants being released from detention daily, according to Catholic News Service. The Chicago-based national organization, which financially supports Catholic ministries among the poor, announced the funding November 15th. It said it was just an initial amount and that it plans to make subsequent grants to other migrant ministries in the months ahead. The $25,000 is going to Annunciation House, which has been serving migrants in the El Paso area since 1978. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. 
The Josephites, a Baltimore-based society of priests and brothers, marked their 125th anniversary with a special mass celebrated by Archbishop William E. Lurie at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, November 17th in Baltimore. Founded to serve African Americans, the Society of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart ministers in several states across the nation. Several Josephites are stationed in inner-city Baltimore faith communities. The anniversary mass, which attracted people from across the country, was held inside the same basilica where Josephite father Charles Uncles became the first African American to be ordained to the priesthood on American soil when Cardinal James Gibbons ordained him in 1891. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. We leave this new segment today with a sample of some of the jubilant singing from the Josephites' anniversary mass. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. Want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. 
You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and I'm here with Father Paul Malay. He's a Sulpician priest, teaches sacred scripture at St. Mary's Seminary. Father Paul Malay has a unique story in that he was a concert pianist for a number of years and now is a Catholic priest. Father Paul, can you tell me more specifically, you were talking about how you were up in New York and talk about little signs along the way that led you to apply to seminary. Well, a turning point for me was one time when I was in New York where I was going regularly to work with a famous teacher. And I told her that I was going to go to seminary. And she nearly had kittens over that. (laughs) She just was distressed beyond belief. And she she said, oh, you you can't do that. I must have, I I have to help you. If you just would make a New York debut and we'll get you recording more and all that. And, you know, please just, why, what's the rush? Why do you need to go now? So I met my sister who was living in New York at the time at a restaurant in Greenwich Village. And during the course of our conversation, I told her about my conversation with my teacher. And I, I said that she had told me that, you know, she had more connections that she hadn't talked about yet and that, you know, she could really do things to build up my career. And my sister was getting all excited. Yeah, 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 you know. And then I said my sister, my uh, teacher was saying that, you know, what's the rush? I could wait and try these things first. And my sister agreed. It was like, well, of course. Why? You know, what is the rush? And at that very moment, I looked out the window, which was straight ahead, and there was a priest who was crossing the street, wearing, obviously wearing his clerics. And I said to my sister, am I hallucinating or am I seeing this priest right now <laughs> through the window? And my sister had to kind of crane her neck, and she looked... She said, oh my goodness, that is a priest. And then, because I'm a little thick-headed, we, I got another sign later that same evening, and our conversation kind of circled back to the conversation I had with my teacher. And it was a, an exact repetition where I said, you know, what my teacher had offered, and my sister was all excited, and I said, but... I don't know, Madeline, I, I just feel like I really need to go to seminary now. And at that very moment, the same priest, I don't know whether he was lost or what, walking around the block, but he was in the window again. And I said, Madeline, am I hallucinating? But is it the same priest? And she craned her neck again and said, oh my gosh, is he lost? What's going on? So again, this is an example of how... God used external signs for me, which went along with what was going on interiorly. And I don't, I feel like God used signs for me because I am so stubborn and I, I, you know, I needed the signs. Uh, I don't think he normally works that way with vocations. So that's interesting. So you ended up obviously applying seminary and then now, now you've been a Catholic priest for how many years? 17 years. 17 years. Do you still play piano? Tell me about your your use of your your gift as a priest. Is it something you had to give up or tell me more about that? I felt very blessed in that no one told me 
in my formation that I needed to give up practicing. Obviously, I couldn't practice the way I used to, but I was, in fact, encouraged to keep practicing as much as I could while keeping up my other responsibilities. And so I still practice pretty much every day, not like I used to, but I think I have learned how to practice in a very intelligent way so that I can really make very good use of minimal amount of time. And this allows me to perform publicly on occasion. When I was at St. Patrick's Seminary in California, I used to give concerts pretty much every year, and I would devote each concert to a particular composer. So one year it would be all Beethoven, another year it would be all Chopin, another year all Rachmaninoff, something like that. That's incredible. And it's a great witness of saying that here in God's call, he called you to be a priest, but it doesn't mean you give up your gifts. You just might use them in different ways. That's right. In fact, one of the things that someone told me along the way as as I was discerning that I've never forgotten is that God is not outdone in generosity. And so there were two things which I felt like I really wanted to do when I entered the seminary. Two things that I had wished I had done as a musician. And one was to give a debut in New York City. And the other was to record. And to make a long story short, I did both of those while I was in seminary. (laughs) And with very little effort on my part. Wow. Mm. Wow. Praise God. The Lord can't be outdone in generosity. Those are good words, especially for all of us, including myself. Mm. During these last few minutes, can you give some examples of how music has drawn you closer to God? Well, let me first say that I think music is, at least classical music, is a one of the great ways we experience beauty. And in experiencing beauty, I think we recognize the inadequacy of materialism to explain everything. I mean, we're more than matter and energy. Uh, there's a whole spiritual side to our lives. But I, at the same time, I don't know if music always, classical music is always going to lead us to God. I know plenty of uh, classical musicians who aren't particularly religious. And also, uh, extremely great works of art can even become a god for people. In, in a similar way, people, when they see breathtaking beauty in nature, they don't necessarily think of God, but they can substitute that for God. How many of us have heard people say, I don't need to go to church. You know, I experience God in nature. But... I think that there are great composers who were profoundly religious, who definitely draw us to God. Let me tell you about some music which I feel really does draw me and others to God. One is the Mass in B minor by Johann Sebastian Bach, which, by the way, contains what I think is the greatest moment in all of music, and that is the transition between the crucifixus and the et resurrexit. If you listen to that, it just pulls you into the reality of Christ's sacrifice on the cross and then the glory of his resurrection. It's truly divine in its expression. And then uh, some other pieces are the late Beethoven sonatas. 
and pieces by Foray, the Requiem Mass, for example, which I think are profound, profoundly religious music. There are so many uh, great gifts and there's so many stories. Uh, Father Paul Malay, I thank you for your time today. And I hope our listeners are inspired, as, as I am, by that, the gift of how God works in each one of our lives and how in a special way that here he called someone who was a concert pianist to follow him even more wholeheartedly in some wonderful ways. We thank you for Father Paul Malay for being with us today. I'm Father Brian Nolan from Catholic Baltimore. May God bless you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.